Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Genesis, we're going to start at the beginning, and this seems like a strange uh, place to start, but we're going we're gonna to talk about this morning about making me a servant. Lord, make me a servant. Would you say that with me? Lord, make me a servant. Now let's all say it together. Here we go. Lord, make me a servant. Most people will say they're a servant of the Lord until someone treats them that way. Yeah, that's good. And then when someone treats them like a servant, they get all stressed out and offended. But do you know that the highest place in this kingdom is a servant? Years ago, uh, most of you know, we live out in the country and we raise cattle. And years ago, and the boys were probably preteen, maybe 12, 13, maybe somewhere around that age. And they were, I think it was a Saturday, they were piled up on the couch watching television. And I came through and I said, boys, let's go build some fence. And they said, well, Dad, we don't want to go. And I said, well, I don't want to go either. And I think it was Aaron said, you know, Dad, you treat us like a bunch of servants, a bunch of slaves. And I said, well, number one, you don't have a clue what you just said. And you don't even know what a servant or a slave really is. I mean, you you have no idea about that. But sometimes we think that we're so mistreated and, and so abused. But this is what I know. Jesus took on the form of a servant. And so you and I have to think about this. We have to get it down in our heart and our spirit. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over all and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So here the Lord is uh, sharing with us the very nature of who we are and our image and what we shall become. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to be your children your sons and daughters. Speak to our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbors. I'm glad you're here today. There again, this is a strange passage that it appears that we're we're addressing and the subject we're addressing. But I want you to notice three things here. here. Here's the first thing. You were created in the very image of God. According to Scripture, you're created in the image of God. The second thing here is that we are to have dominion or rule over some things. Now, notice what he says we have dominion and rule over. He said the fish and the birds, the livestock, the animals, we're to have dominion on the earth and over the earth and over every creeping thing that moves on the earth. Verses 27, 28, drop down, look at those. What God does is he reiterates what he just said in verse 26. He says, okay, you're created in the image of God. He said, go forth and multiply and replenish the earth, subdue, have dominion. And then he says, you have dominion over the fish, the birds, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, the third thing I want you to catch is what we don't have dominion over and what we don't rule over. Now, catch this. So, we we have dominion over the fish and the birds and the animals, the earth, but we don't have dominion over God and we don't have dominion over each other. Whenever man has tried to rule with dominion over men, it never turns out good. 
And let me tell you why. Because history has proved it. Hitler or Nebuchadnezzar or Pol Pot or Stalin or Saddam Hussein, whenever somebody comes in and says, I'm going to have dominion over you or I'm going to rule over you, then it never turns out the way we think it should turn out. I'm not talking about democracy or republic, but I'm telling you, when man tries to rule over man in this kind of way, it never turns out good. And, and this is why. Because we are not created to dominate each other. Now, with that being said, is it possible to be wise and still humble? Is it possible to be strong and still meek? Is it possible to be a leader and yet a servant? And the answer is absolutely yes, because Jesus showed it to be possible. Now, according to Jesus, this is, this is, this is the way this works. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to what? To serve. Now, this is what he showed us, okay? He, he's in the boat. The storm is raging. Lord, don't you care that we perish? He goes to the front of the boat, and he speaks to the wind and the waves, and he calms the storm. Jesus had dominion over the wind and the waves. He goes to a fig tree and he curses the fig tree. He has dominion over the tree. He, he takes the fish and the loaves and he has dominion over the fish and the loaves, right? Because he multiplied them. He, he would go to people who are demon-possessed. How many of you know he had dominion over the devils and the demons? He would even tell you and I that we could speak to a mountain and the mountain would what? Be removed. So we have that kind of dominion. But yet when it comes to that interpersonal relationships, he didn't say you dominate each other. What did he say? He said we serve each other. So, so God, make me a servant so I can be like Jesus. So if I'm a servant, I can be like Jesus because he's our example. When it comes to people, he served them. When it comes to trees, he dominated them. When it comes to nature, he dominated. When it comes to the devils, he dominated. But when it comes to people, he served. Boy, this is a key. If you can get this, your life will go be so much better. Listen, when I try to dominate Carrie, it don't do good. Come on. Y'all are so holy. But when I serve her, how many of you believe it's better? When she tries to dominate me, how many of you know that doesn't go well at the McCord household? But when she serves me, ooh la la, it's better. It's always better when we serve each other because that is the godly way. That is the structure. That's what we're supposed to do. So if you are messed up, then you have to take a step back and say, am I trying to dominate or am I trying to serve? Because the example of Jesus, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. Don't be serving me. I came to serve. Can I hear an amen? Now, when Jesus gathered this group up, and we talked about this last week because he was making them. How many of you know he was molding them in that three, three and a half years? So they're headed to Capernaum, and Jesus is walking down the road. Picture in your mind, he's walking down this road, and behind him is the 12. So this is Mark chapter 9, verse 33. 
And he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them. So he asked them something. So you're picturing, they're, they're on a little journey here. They're going to Capernaum. The 12 are behind. And this is some of the people who are in the group. There's James and John. And how many of you remember, they're always jockeying for position and titles, right? Who's going to be the greatest? And, and then there's Judas. It's not going to be long. He's going to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And then there's Peter. Peter's going to deny him, and Peter's always saying things he shouldn't say. So they're going to Capernaum, and Jesus asked them, what, it, what, what was you guys, I mean, what is it you guys are arguing about back there? Look at verse 33. What was it you disputed, arguing about among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent. They didn't want to tell him what they were arguing about. I, I, I smile when I read that. How many of you know he knew what they were arguing about? He knows everything, right? So they're arguing back behind him. It's kind of like driving with kids in the back seat, right? So, so, so they get to Capernaum. They go in the house. He said, what were you guys arguing about back there on the road? And they said, well, we weren't arguing about anything. They, they didn't want to tell him. They kept it silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. He knew. He knew. Now, now fast forward, Matthew 20. I, I'd like to say that little encounter cured them. How many of you know it didn't cure them? Have you ever had to hear something over and over and over again? Did your mama ever tell you something more than once? Some of you are smiling as you sit. Did your daddy ever have to tell you something more than once? Yeah, sure. Now, Matthew 20, this is another count. James and John now, they're back on this. Who's going to be the greatest? Can we sit on your right or your left? This is when they bring their mother in. Goodness gracious. They bring their mother in trying to get Jesus to say, yeah, you're going to be better than the rest. Verse 25, when the, uh, verse 24, when, when the ten heard it, so here's James and John doing their thing. The ten hear it. Guess what? It upsets them. They're displeased with the two brothers. Jesus calls them to himself, says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant, and whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave or your servant, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now here's the contrast. Look here in these verses. He says in verse 25, the Gentiles, their kingdoms lord over. Say that with me. They lord over. But he says, my kingdom will not be like that. If you're going to rise in my kingdom, you have to be a servant. You have to serve. He says, I am not operating an earthly kingdom like they operate. So he says, we have to serve. Now notice this. When they begin to jockey for position and they're trying to find position, the other ten are upset. Whenever we quit serving, this is what happens. It causes contention. It causes controversy. It causes strife. And we quit focusing on the purpose and we start focusing on the position. And people get eat up with that all of the time. I'm amazed how many lessons the Lord's going to have to give us. He's got to take us to school over and over and over and over again. 
I've shared this story about four or five times, and some of you have heard it about four or five times, but some of you hadn't heard it, so here at number six. <laughs> when I was uh, out of school, I have a degree in business, and I went to work for an oil investment company, and um, they sent me out with a guy who was older than me, had worked for the company longer than me, and so this guy, uh, I'm sure he was a nice guy in his own right, but uh, after working with him for a long period of time, it just got on my nerves. Have you ever worked with somebody, they just got on your nerves? This guy was so rude, he was so crass, he was so full of himself. Every time we would go out to eat, it, the food was always bad. He was always rude to the waiter or the waitress. And that makes you embarrassed sometimes. He was always better than everybody else. He was smarter than everybody else. He dressed better than everybody else. He had a car better than everybody else, a house better than everybody else. You know, if you listen to that over and over and over and over, every week after week after week, it just gets on your nerves. And I'm a pretty easygoing guy. <laughs> and so I put up with that, I mean, week after week after week after week. And I went to my boss. I went to his office. He's sitting behind the desk at the chair. And I went in there and I said, uh, listen, I need to visit with you about something. I said, could you move me somewhere else, put me with another team or whatever? He said, why? I said, well, it's probably just me. Probably just a personality conflict. I said, you know, I'm working with him, and uh, I don't know. I, I would just rather you just put me somewhere else. And he began to laugh. He leaned back in his chair and began to laugh. And I thought, this is not funny. <laughs> Number one, it took a lot of nerve for me to come in here and just address the issue. I mean, I, I didn't want to address it. And now he's leaning back in his chair. He's laughing. I think, this is not fun funny. And then he said this to me. He said, Mike, he said, we deliberately put him with you. And I thought, thanks a lot. <laughs> He said, we deliberately put him with you because we've had this same issue with everyone he's been with and we thought if he can't get along with Mike, he can't get along with anybody. And I thought, well, thank you. <laughs> and he was always going to go up in the company and he was going to be their first choice and he was, you know, blah, 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 blah. And finally they let him go. You know why? He's trying to dominate He's not there to serve. He's not there to forward the agenda of who he's working for. He's trying to push his own agenda. Listen, we have an agenda and it's not your agenda. This is the agenda of the kingdom of God and the only position you can apply for in this kingdom is servant. It's the only position. You say, well, I'm going to be the song leader. I'm going to be the pastor. I'm going to be the children's pastor. I'm going to be the youth pastor. I'm... No, listen, the only position you can apply for here is servant. It may have a different title, but I'm going to guarantee you it's servant because it is the only thing that we have available. Now, let, let, let's take these passages. Let me give you a couple of words. The first one is dekanos. You, you'll identify this Greek word. It's where we get the word deacon. This word simply means one who serves. It's one who waits table. It's one who gives drink or, or food to someone. It's someone who's attending someone or carries out the, the needs of someone else. It's one of the Greek words they use for servant. And so if you say, well, hey, I got the position of deacon. Thank you, servant. Because that's what it means. And the other one is doulos. And it means bond servant. So it's a little bit different. You see, back then... 
almost like an employee that uh, could not be released. You, you went to work for somebody, and they gave you room and board. They, they, they fed you, and they may even give you some money, and you work for them. But here's the Jewish setup. Every seven years, what happened? They had to release them. So you can only work for seven years. At seven years, you were free to go. But some would not leave. The reason they would not leave is because they loved the master. They were provided for well. They, they were fed well. They, they were housed well. They had families there. They became part of the family. And many of those servants and many of those slaves in those days when they said, you're free to go, you know what they said? We don't want to go. You're our family. We love you. We want to serve you. And it, it, it's the term bond slave. They had a procedure they would go through. We're not serving you because we have to. We're serving you because we want to. Listen, every one of us who are believers, we're not serving the Lord because we have to. We're serving the Lord because we want to. Go with me to Apostle Paul. I've got so much to share with you. There's no way I'm going to get it done in the next 10 minutes. In Acts 26, uh, Paul, most of you know, he's appeared before Festus and Felix and King Agrippa. You know, he's gone from one magistrate, one leader to another because he's gone back to Jerusalem. He's been arrested. They're going to take him to Rome. He'll never leave Rome. He's going to be beheaded. There he's going to die. But in those trials or those uh, times where he's giving his, uh, his testimony... And they're going to see what they're going to do with him. He, he appears before King Agrippa. Verse 16, Acts 26. He is rehearsing his call when Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. And he says, the Lord said, rise, stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister, and some translations say servant, a witness both of these things which you've seen and those things in the which I will appear to you. Now look in the middle of that verse. He says, I have appeared to you for this purpose to make you. You see it? Paul did not start out as a good servant. N nobody does. But this is what the Lord said to Paul. He said, I'll make you one. Whatever you are, the Lord's making you. Do you agree with that? So he says, Paul, I'm going to make you a minister and a witness. I am making you. And Paul, he begins to give that thought out, not just here. Romans chapter 1, verse 1, when Paul is writing his letter to the Romans, this is the way he addresses in this letter. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. He doesn't say, I'm Paul the apostle. What does he say? I'm Paul the servant called to be an apostle. Then in 1 Corinthians, he addresses the same subject because in chapter number 9, verse 19, he says, for though I am free from all. Free from what? Let's go back to what we just said. He, he didn't have to serve God. He's referring to something they know very well, that some servants every seven years could be let go. They're free. But he says, though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. So Paul is referring to himself what? Not just as an apostle. The first thing he refers to himself is what? I am a servant. Do you remember when he shipwrecked and he gets on the boat when he's going to Rome? And literally because Paul is on that ship, every man's life is spared during that tragedy. Paul stood up. He said, the angel of the Lord stood by me. And this is what the angel of the Lord said. If you abide in the ship, we're all going to be saved. 
You leave the ship, you'll die. So here Paul is, he's instrumental in everyone's life being saved. They, they shipwreck there at Malta or Miletus. They get off the boat, everybody's saved, every, every, everybody is surviving. They're cold, it's wet, and they're getting ready to build a fire to dry out. Guess who's out gathering the wood for the fire? Paul. This is what he could have done. All right, guys, get the wood. I'm the reason you're alive. I'm going to stay over here, get, get it started, and, and I'll warm up here in a minute. Y'all get the wood. That's not what it says. You know what he did? He's out there gathering the wood. That's when he gets snake bit. Remember when he shakes it off in the fire? Paul's out there gathering the wood. Why is he gathering the wood when he's the reason they're all saved? Because he's a servant. Get up off your seat and serve. Why? Because you're going to be like Jesus. Some of you just woke up when I said that. You see, every person is a servant. Now, here's the word that Paul uses back in Acts 26. And to me, it's amazing. It is the Greek word, huparitas. Now, that's not a word that you know, and I really don't know. But here is the definition of that word. It means the under rower. The under rower. Now, what is that, Pastor, the under rower? If you've ever watched a movie like Ben-Hur, or you've ever seen a movie where the ships are going out to war in the Aegean Sea, or the Romans, or the Egyptians, or the Assyrians back in that day and time, they didn't have motorboats. They didn't have engines in the boats. You know how the boats moved? They moved by manpower. So they either had to put the sails up, which many times they did, but they had rows of rowers that took the oar and they rowed. The power of the ship was by the rower. And when Paul says, the Lord is going to make me, catch this, he's going to make me a under rower. I'm the guy on the bench, I have the oar in my hand, and the guy's up front on the drum, right? Boom, boom, boom. Boom, let's get the time down. Boom, boom. Paul says, I'm an under rower. If you're on the ship, you hardly ever see the under rowers. Because the captain's up here, the soldiers are up here. But let me tell you where the power of the ship's coming from. It's coming from the under rowers. They're the ones who's moving this along. They're the ones who are moving this forward. You see, when you came in this morning, there was some under rowers here before you got here. Angels did not bring the donuts. They did not set the thermostats. They did not vacuum the carpet. They did not tune the guitars. They did not prepare the sermons. Listen, everybody here is an under rower. And you have to get down to the nitty-gritty to see them. All you see is the oars sticking out of the side of the ship. You see the power. You see the energy. You see the movement. But it's the under-rowers that are moving this thing forward. Can I hear an amen? And Paul says, God said he would make me an under-rower. Wow. That's awesome, isn't it? I mean, you didn't probably turn the fountain on and you're not back there keeping the nursery and you didn't fix the, the two meals for the funerals this week. But you did something and you can do something. And guess what? When we all do what we can do, guess what happens? The ship's moving forward. Thank 
God, the gospel ship is moving forward because there's some under rowers that have a hold of the oars and you don't always see them, but they're there. They're giving and they're worshiping and they're praying and they're singing and they're moving sometimes behind the scenes or under the deck when you can't see them. Let me give you two accounts very quickly. You remember a guy by the name of Naaman who had leprosy? Naaman is going to die. I mean, there's, there, there's no cure. He's diagnosed. He knows what he has. Very clear he's going to die. When, when Naaman comes home one day, they have captured a little slave girl, a little servant girl. And she is serving Naaman's wife. And she was captured from northern Israel. And this little girl said, oh, I wish my master could get back to Israel because there's a prophet there that could heal his leprosy. And guess what? They listened. So the king of Syria sent a letter to the king of Israel so that the captain, Naaman, could go down and try to recover from his leprosy. And when the king of Israel gets the letter, he's upset because he thinks he's got to cure this uh, second in command of Syria and if he doesn't cure him then obviously there may be a war and then Elisha hears about it and he says send him to my house and when Naaman gets to the house of Elisha in all of his pomp and his circumstance he's in the chariot I mean he's got his entourage I mean he's he's got the the thing going on here Elisha never even comes out of the house he didn't even come out of the door he sends his servant out Gehazi comes out and he says, my master said, if you will go down to the Jordan River and dip seven times, you'll be clean. And Naaman rides off in a rage. He is so upset. Let me tell you why he's upset. Because he's already got in his mind what's going to happen. Because the Bible says, Naaman says, I thought, how many of you ever thought something would work out and it didn't work out the way you thought? <laughs> I thought he would come out, wave his hand over me, say, hocus pocus, mocus, wocus whatever. And I would be healed from my leprosy. He didn't even come out of the house. He sent his servant out. So Naaman is so upset, he rides off in a rage and his servants had to calm him down. And one of the servants says, Father, listen, he called him Father. He said, Father, if he had told you to climb some big mountain, do some big feat, some heroic thing, you would have done it. He said, just go dip in the river. And then Naaman says, we've got cleaner rivers back in Syria I could have dipped in. I don't want to go down to that old dirty, muddy Jordan River and dip. And he says, come on, Master, just do what he said. Do you realize that when he dipped seven times he came up and he was healed and no one ever spoke to him but servants the only conversation he's having through this whole ordeal is with servants the servant girl in his house the servant that Elisha sent out and his own servant the only ones who talked to him were servants servants can get you healed if they have the right message but they'll mess you up if they don't. And they'll cause a lot of pain if they get out of their place. Because Gehazi heard Naaman offer Elisha a chunk of change and some clothes for that healing. Right? How many of you know you can't buy the gifts of God? The reason they're called gifts is because they're gifts. 
So Gehazi, I thought, wow, I can't believe Elisha turned down that money and all those clothes. So after Naaman came back and he's healed, Naaman leaves and Gehazi runs after him. He says, hey, hey, wait, wait. He said, my master changed his mind. He, he will take that talent of silver. Naaman says, oh, here's two. He will take those clothes. Okay, I'll take the clothes. When he gets back, Elisha said, did not my heart go with you? He said, the very leprosy that Naaman had now will fall upon you. And this man died a leper. Listen, when servants become self-serving, it never works out well. If you didn't get anything out of the message today, here's your nugget. When servants become self-serving, it never works out right. I uh, read some time ago about uh, the lion and the mouse. You, you remember this little story? The lion, king of the jungle, the pride of the savannah. He's sleeping one day and he feels something crawling all over him. He wakes up and there's a little mouse. And the lion is so upset, he puts his paw over the mouse and said, how dare you crawl over me? I'm the king of the jungle. He said, I'm going to I want to kill you. And the mouse said, oh no, don't kill me. Maybe one day I can do you a favor. Let me live. And the lion just laughed said, what could a little mouse do for me? But I'll let you go. So he leaves, leaves him be. And it's not long, some, some time passed, and the hunters had captured the lion in a net. And they have him. And he's doomed. And while they're camping and the lion is all netted up, he roars and the little mouse hears that roar that he's so familiar with and he runs and he sees the lion all netted up and bound up and he begins to chew on the little nets and finally the lion falls through, he's free. And the mouse said, I bet you thought you would never see me serve you again, did you? He said, it makes no difference how big we are, we can all serve. And it makes no difference how small we are, we can all serve. And sometimes we think, well, this is bigger than that, and that's bigger than this. Listen, we're all servants. When you get to heaven, this is what you're going to hear. Well done, thou good and faithful, and this is not what you're going to hear. You're not going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful pastor. Well done, thou good and faithful donut server. Well done, thou good and faithful nursery worker. Well done, thou good and faithful singer, player, mother, dad. You know what you're going to hear? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what you're going to hear. Why would we hear that? One last verse, Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, being in the form of God. Though it... Thought it not be robbery to be equal with God. Made of himself no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. Do you realize the night that they took Passover, the night that Jesus was betrayed, when no one washed feet, Jesus got up, took the towel, girded himself with the towel and took the basin and got on his knees to their feet and began to wash their feet and they were shocked that Jesus is washing feet. So much so, Peter said, oh, don't wash me. You know the story. Peter said, if I don't wash you, you don't have anything to do with me. And then Peter said, wash everything then. <laughs> Folks, Jesus washed their feet. I don't know if you know how awesome this is. But he is the fullness 
of the Godhead bodily. He is Emmanuel. He is the word that spoke the stars into place. He is the one who created the sun and the moon and the universe. He is the one that created everything. Everything was created by him and for him. And now he's bent down washing their stinky feet. Why did he do that? Number one, he's the example. Number two, he came in the form of a servant. What happens when we don't serve? There is strife. There's contention. There is politics. There is confusion. But when we serve, things tend to work out. So, Pastor, we have all those problems? No, thank God we don't. But let me tell you, I don't want them either. Because we're servants. Only one job application you can apply for in this kingdom. That servant. You say, well, bless God, I'm not going to apply for a servant. Well, you're, you're going to be better than your master. And the Bible says you can't be greater than your master. Can you? And he came in the form of a servant. Let your prayer this week be. Let my prayer this week be. Lord, Make me a servant. Let me be humble enough to serve. Let me be strong enough to serve. Let me be secure enough to serve. Let me get my pride. Let me get myself out of the way. Let me be big enough to say I'm sorry. Let me be big enough to say I got this to do. Let me, Lord come to you and say, where, where could you use me? Because you said if I was faithful in the little things, you'd give me something bigger. I think there's bigger things on your horizon, don't you? If you do things that he gives to you that you think are small, you know what he said? He would entrust bigger things to you. Lord, make me a servant. Help me to serve my wife. Help me to serve my children. Help me to serve my church. And we're already thankful for those who've served their country. You know what we call them? Service men and service women. Why do we call them that? Because they've served. It's what we do. We, we serve. You, you can have dominion over the fish. Okay, look at your neighbor. I, I'm, I'm closing, but look at them right now. You see any scales on them? Any fins on them? Well, sometimes they're kind of pokey, but... Okay, uh, look at the next one. See any fur on them? No? You know what that means? You, you can dominate the things that have scales and fins. And you can dominate the animals. And you can dominate the world and the trees. But when you start trying to dominate each other... Don't work. Because he said this was the part of creation that we have to get right. We, we can dominate and subdue creation, but we are to serve people. Anybody like to be served here? Sure. You know what makes a great company? Those who serve well. Those who have a great service department. There's greatness there.
Bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.